I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And you're listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Oh, we're, we're pushing 50 episodes, I think. I'm, I'm pushing 50 episodes. That's crazy. <laughs> it's getting heavy. Yeah, we, uh, this is, I think, 43. Or 44. Wow. 44. And we've had several delays, but I don't think we've actually missed any nope. weeks. We have not missed any weeks. Wow, yeah. He said us. jinxing us. So here's the thing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Next week, there'll be no show. <laughs> the show is over. <laughs> so, so do you want to do anything for either 50 or 52? I do. What? Why 52? Oh, because that's, that's one year. I forget on your planet. It's 52 <laughs> weeks. Is it, is it the calendar different up there in Canada? Yes. Karen? I think we should do something special for 50 or 52. Maybe people write in and suggest. I think we should do something like about a movie or a type of game or a particular sound effect. Like the beep. The beep <laughs> through through the ages. Nothing but beeps. A retrospective. I still have all of our, our raw audio. I'll just go through and pull that stuff I out. I think nothing but beeps is mm. going to be my next podcast. <laughs> I'm Katie Vanston, and this is nothing but beeps. Beep, 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 beep. I'll do like a two-hour show. It'll be awesome. So what's new, Mike? I think we have feedback. Oh, we got feedback. We got feedback of people once again telling me I'm wrong. It's becoming a thing. I don't like this new thing. Oh, I'm a big fan. I got to stop saying things that sound like facts. (laughs) Because people will realize I don't have any of those. You just start out saying, I don't know if this is true or not. I might just be making it up. Yep. Let me look at some of the we got things wrong. Uh, Okay, I'm going to read something from Jorge because I like the name Jorge. All right. Uh, Because J-O-R-G-E, I think, is Jorge. So I said... Last week, that Gottlieb, who made last week's game, was a pinball manufacturer who just kind of dabbled in arcades. And Jorge took umbrage to that. And he wrote uh, that I I totally underestimate Gottlieb's huge contribution to coin-op games before the advent of video games. They were making coin-ops in the 1930s, man, and not just pinball. Also made trade simulators in quotes i'm not sure what that is strength testers and lots of other classic coin-op games from the early days of arcades there would be no arcade games like you enjoy if it wasn't for pioneers like gottlieb so you should respect their history those are pretty strong words there Jorge. i do respect their history i just don't know it so i'm 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 looking for instance at grotchton's Pike's Peak, which is a 1939 mechanical arcade game slash trade simulator on the net. And it says it dispenses gumballs and you're supposed to try and get the metal ball to the top of Pike's Peak. I wonder why that's called a trade simulator, though. I think trade simulator is like a baseball thing. Must be a term I should have looked up before we we did this show. So sorry about that, or hey, I am not respecting the history. But I think I probably should be taking the task because Gottlieb was like an an important and big general arcade manufacturer and a big name in arcade. So I'm, it's kind of being flippant and dismissive for me to have said, oh, they were just pinball dismissively and they dabbled in arcades. But they really were a pinball manufacturer, like at heart, I think. At least during that, that later era. And if you look at the games that they produced, the arcade video type games as we sort of understood them in the early 80s, uh, most of them were... Hit or miss, and well, other than Cubert, um, well, there was Cubert Mach Three, which was a laser disc game. Uh, Protector. There's, I mean, some of these I've even heard of. Most of them I have <laughs> not. And they were, but by that point, they they had been bought by I think some I think Millstar. Is that right? Yes, um, I'm going to so, say yes. It is. <laughs> so I don't know how long <laughs> they were Gottlieb during that era. Anyway, but he does he does make an interesting point, and that's that I was wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I don't know. I like old mechanical games. I just don't know anything about them. So other things that I don't know, uh, Daniel wrote in to tell me another thing I was wrong about with Gottlieb. I said last week that all Gottlieb cabs were the same shape. In fact, I think I even said, you know, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. All Gottlieb cabs are definitely the same shape. Well, I was wrong. <laughs> so uh, he writes in, uh, no, a few Gottlieb cabs had different shapes. Reactor was different. Plus that was a trackball game. Also, their first game, New York, New York in 1980 was a different cab too. Nice try. No quarter for you. <laughs> I get no, I get no quarter, but. So I was wrong about that, too. Our listeners are not done with you, Carrington, because <laughs> no. I have something that they said. Bring it on. Victor Marlin wrote in and said, Sorry, Carrington, there was another type of Mad Planets cabinet, the title cabaret version that we got in the UK, because you said there was only one version of Mad Planets. I did. I was wrong about that, too. To, to emphasize his point, Victor has posted a picture of that cabinet on, the fa- uh, on our I Facebook I saw page. that picture. I like that picture. Oh, speaking of pictures on Facebook. I wanted to link to Chris Hafner's great photos of the Musée Mécanique, mm-hmm. the Mechanical Museum. He was, went to it with his daughter because they're great photos. It makes me want to go there all the more. It looks really fun, but I can't figure out what's the correct link. If you want to link to the like outside world, the real web, and to link to things on Facebook, which is the AOL of modern times, and it bugs me. I want the world to see these things. So, Chris, post them somewhere on the web so we can link to them because they're great photos. I think he can leave them on Facebook as well. He has to put them in an album and then share that link with us. Oh, and then we can link to the album? Because I'd like the world to be able to see those photos because they're really good. Mm -hmm. Like They're just like great photos. And Chris, I want to link to your stuff, but I can't figure it out. Cinecaster also wrote in and said, said, shame on me. Sin Icaster, Sin Icaster, uh, he wrote regarding the problem of coming up with viable control scheme in MAME. This is how I was saying, you know, because last week we were saying how uh, Mad Planets is a tough game to play in MAME yeah. because it wants a spinner and a flight stick with, with buttons on it. And it's just like, he wrote, um, I've got a setup I think works quite well on a generic MAME cabinet control layout. My control panel is custom built, but its basic layout is lifted from the X-Arcade tank stick, which includes player one and player two positions that have six buttons each and a trackball in the center. To move the ship, I use the player one joystick with my left hand. To rotate the ship, I swipe the trackball left and right with my right hand. And here's the, here's the good bit. Shame on Carrington for using buttons in place of analog control sticks. Yuck. Um, the X-axis sensitivity of the trackball can be tweaked in name until the rotation feels right. And to fire, I like this bit. To fire, I map the fire button to a player two button that is well out of the way and simply lay something on top of it to hold it down. Like a cell phone works nicely. <laughs> Sounds kind of ghetto, but it works, allowing you to focus on dodging and aiming rather than doing hand origami to hit the fire button. Besides, does anybody ever stop shooting in that game anyway? And then I like this next bit. He says, P.S. I hope you enjoy eggs. Oh, well spotted. Ah, nice. Very done, sir. Impress- I know. Very impressive feedback. Tells us how to do a control stick. Shames me, which is always welcome. And guesses what the crazily obscure game for this week is. So yeah. nice bit of feedback there. I'm very, I was very impressed by that. Also, that's 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 a good point. In something like this, in Mad Planets, you kind of never want to stop shooting. There really isn't a point where you would want your finger off that button. So just laying a cell phone on it does seem like a good way to go. Data Jerk wrote in, responding to some of the calls for listener comments that we've put out there. He says, as far as news, you can keep it. No one will listen to your shows in the future anyway. Aw, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> he might be very right about that. 
Try to keep the length to 30, 30 to 45 minutes. We have been failing at that yes, in the last few shows. Although I don't think we've exceeded an hour yet. No, we haven't hit an hour, but we're getting pretty close to it on some shows. There'll be less to say about eggs, I think. Yeah. Regarding themed shows and specials, he says, do it! I say do it too. Do it! Length of the themed show could be and should be longer. Just my 25 US cents. That's a lot of money. P.S. Cliffhanger. I dropped hundreds in that coin op in the 80s. Great game. Cliffhanger. I uh, I agree too, though it also is okay to just rent the movie. <laughs> you can kind of just watch that game. Yeah, it's definitely a, a multimedia viewing experience. Uh, Ken Gagney wrote us. He says, um, I know him. Yeah, we do. He says, looks like you missed this Kickstarter, uh, the boss fight books. Did we talk about that? I think we did. I think we just missed. We missed that one. Apparently this, they're putting out a series of books, though. We can now pre-order the Galaga book that they're also putting out. Oh, probably we missed it because we should have mentioned that one. But I think we did talk about boss fight books in general. I'm done with Kickstarter. Well, this is uh, just, if you go to their, their website, uh, bossfightbooks.wordpress.com, you can pre-order the book on Galaga. Oh, nice. Print and digital version in the United States is $20. Internationally, it's $35. Digital anywhere, $5. Okay, that's cool. For me personally, though, I'm I'm no longer doing Kickstarter things. I, I don't like the delay. I'm an immediate gratification kind of guy, and it bugs me that, I'll say, okay, I, I want this thing. Here's my $25 or, or what have you. And then it's not too bad that you don't get the thing for some indefinite period. Like it's good. Cause I kind of like the idea that, eh, I buy it now and six months from now, I get a little surprise. What bothers me is all the Kickstarter people want to have a relationship with me. Let me send you email again. Let me bring you up to speed. I'm like, I don't care how it's going, dude. The deal was here's my $25. Now go away. Do not spend time sending me email. Spend time making the thing I want and then just send it to me. And then we're done. That's it. Money goes one way. Thing comes the other way, but I've stopped doing Kickstarter because it's too annoying. Fuck them. I will. <laughs> And I will um I'll put a I'll put a link in the <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes to the bossfightbooks.wordpress.com site. So if people want to go and check it out, the Gallagher book does look pretty cool. Jeff Von Ward forwarded us an email. It uh, looks like he's on the list for the Space Invaders, the mailing list, uh, the movie that we've been talking about. Cool. It's got a bunch of dates for upcoming showings. Oh nice. Thespaceinvaders.org. I'll put a link in the show notes. Last week, or maybe the week before that, we had pointed out that the retro, real retro junkies, who are now our corporate overlords, <laughs> they are are streaming our MP3s from their website, and then and I had applied for an account there, and they had happily ignored that so that I could see what was being said about us, but not respond to that. But now you can respond. Rob says, hi there, guys. Just wanted to welcome you, Landon, and I think you have one of the best gaming podcasts, way better than ours. And we're glad that you've come to class up the site. Why are Rob and Landon lying to everybody? That's why we have 100 likes or something like that on Facebook, and you've got thousands. Come on. Yeah, real retro junkies. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Jeremy Knight recommends that we add titles Rastin to the list. Cool, yes, uh, which is probably already on our list, I think. We, we, Mike and I do actually have a list in Dropbox of, of uh, games we'll eventually want to play in. Rastin's got to be on there already. I believe that Jeremy, he must be from the UK because he spells favorite with a U. He spells it correctly. <laughs> and God Save the Queen, by the way. This is one of, if not the favorite game I remember playing back in the day. Yes, that's right. I put U's in my words and say Zed the correct way. Woohoo! New favorite listener. <laughs> the Rostin series includes Rostin, the hardest and with the most angry bats. Yes! Nice. Rostin's saga with less bats and some additional story screens and a rather poor sequel, Nastar. Oh, I don't know that one. And he challenges us with his high score already of 302,700 points. Well, I'm not playing that game. Well, have you played it on the, I know it as an Apple II GS game? I can't well. beat that, no. 
even though it's a Sega game. No, it's, can't be I think of it as is a Apple TGS. Great job on the podcast. Most entertaining, guys. Thank you, Jeremy. Oh, very nice. Yes. Uh, we have, looks like, a technical question that I'm going to let you handle, Carrington. Ooh, because... I'm ready. I'm bring it. And then everyone right next week can tell everyone why I'm so wrong. Charlie Marno wrote in and said, your podcast is great and I'm addicted. Can you tell us a little bit in the next episode about how you guys make your podcasts? I hear you guys aren't even together when you record. Oh, thank God we're not. Oh, God, no. Can how you do you guys do that? Yes. It doesn't sound like one of you is on Skype or anything. Thanks. Well, the reality is how, how we do it is Mike and I know each other so well that I just record my end in my house by myself, like right now. He's in his house. He just recorded his. And when we put them together, it lines up. I ask questions at about the time that he would feel like answering things and vice versa. It just works. It's awesome. Yep. Ken Gagney. He also sent in a link to the Tapper Original Root Beer shirt that you can now cool. order. Shirt.woot.com has... Tapper shirts, I guess, with the logo on it that you can order. Nice. He kicked my butt at Tapper when we were in. The Tapper machine wasn't working. And I and I know that sounds like that can't be true because everyone else was working for them. But it wasn't working for me. I would pull down and it would tap and I would let go as you're supposed to. And it would do nothing. You had to like sort of let go and then pull down a little and push it up to make it fire the glass. It didn't. Ha no one else had to do that, but I had to. But that's that's my excuse. But yes, you can order yourself a Tapper Original Root Beer t-shirt. Thank you, Ken. I will make sure that there's a link to that shirt in the in the show notes. And I will make sure because you just sent me that link via Skype. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> uh, Rob O'Hara sent in a picture that he took of an arcade in Chicago this past week. It's uh, my favorite thing that, that Rob has, I think he posted on Facebook, he posted it somewhere, that he liked the bits of the show where us two Apple II guys have to begrudgingly admit that something has only been ported to the Commodore 64, and that makes him happy. Oh, I shake my fist at you, Rob. <laughs> The picture that he sent, though, was of several Galaga machines, including a Galaga 88 machine that was uh, cropped out, so that's not in there. But uh, it was a nice picture. Thank you, Rob. Randall Gelking has requested the Namco Atari Assault, so we will add that to the list. Bobby Moore said, I listened earlier while working. Always loved Galaga. If you ever get the chance, search out Galaga Deluxe on the Amiga. It plays like a dream and has some wonderful tweaks and additions. I don't have an Amiga. I don't either. But I, I never do had have... an Amiga, actually. The Amiga people love their Amigas. But I do have WinUAE, which is a nice emulator. And for a while, I did have an Amiga 500. Ian McLaughlin, McLaughlin, not sure how to pronounce that. Sorry, Ian. At Erasmus, uh, wrote in and asked us why we didn't mention the no-fire bug cheat in the Galaga episode. Now, I thought we did. Did that get cut I out? I thought we did, too. Did you chop that out when you were... I hope so. I usually You probably said it, because I usually cut out as much of you as I can. Well, I, I understand, yeah. It's, yeah, because the show would otherwise be you know, six hours. And, well, uh, I definitely give you plenty of filler and unimportant stuff to cut <laughs> out, so... I made a filler. I can make a whole podcast out of filler. So I think we... So let's mention it now. I, I had thought we mentioned it, too, but just in case. So there is a bug in Galaga, and it's an interesting bug in that you can get the baddies to stop shooting and i read about the bug because i always knew about it like if you just sort of waited long enough and didn't shoot they would maybe stop shooting but i finally got some more tech details on why that is there's a couple of the little bugs there's a bug of the bugs i think it's the two leftmost ones if i remember because now it's a few weeks ago they will swoop down at you as as galaga insects in space are are want to, to do it's those guys will shoot sometimes when they're off screen. 
because you know, like the Gallagher's will swoop down and they curl a bit and they try to yeah. get you and they come back up from below. Those ones, and sometimes certain bugs will go off to the side, to the right, or to the left, and then come back on screen and shoot you. Those ones in the code will sometimes fire when they're off screen. And there's a bug in the code that won't move that shot. So they, they send the shot out and then it stays there and nothing moves it on the y-axis. So it essentially stays on screen, although it's not visible. It's off to the side. There are eight registers, I think, for, well, it wouldn't really be register, but whatever. Eight bits that hold the positions of the shots. So if you wait long enough, there'll eventually be eight of those shots off screen and then there, there's no space for another shot to happen in Galaga. So n- now the bad guys can't shoot anymore because essentially they've got eight bullets floating in space. And you have to do this on the first or, first or second screens. But then from then on in the game, those will never get cleared out when you go to other, other levels and, and the baddies will never shoot at you. I think it takes like 20 minutes or more to do wow, that. Like, that takes a lot of patience. Holy cow, yeah. So I haven't actually done it, but it seems that it's a thing. And I saw some videos of it being done. So it seems to be real. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, the C64 Takeaway. A podcast we have discussed and linked to previously. Tweeted us and said the Crazy Comet sequel Mega Apocalypse on the C64 includes rotation because we had talked about how in Mad Planets, the Commodore version was the only port that we knew about and you couldn't rotate in that one. Oh, that's right. And it's the one I think that adds speech. Mega Apocalypse is kind of hard to say, though. Sounds like Megapocalypse. Megalypse. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, Dr. Stephen Weirich. I know him. Yes, he wrote in a couple of weeks back and and, uh, said, Babylon, my friends, and I had no idea what he was talking about because I'm slow on the uptake. Right. He tweeted back and said, Babylon refers to your question on whether to have a game only or a game in Babble Shell. So, Babylon. Oh, Babylon. Yes. Several minutes later, he tweeted, I don't always babble, but when I do, I babble about classic arcade games. Oh, nicely done. So let's talk about, let's talk about, I want to talk about eggs, man. Come on. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. We have a couple. I do have one news item here that may have. Oh, we got some news. Just one. Data Jerk pointed me to an article over on RetroCollect.com about how the Wreck-It Ralph arcade game Fix-It Felix Jr. has been ported to the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis. That's right. I, I heard about that as well. I will make sure that we link to that too. Anyway, that's out there. And if you have one of these or if you have an emulator, you can now play a more realistic version. That's cool. Yeah. Is it time for... Oh my goodness, eggs. Yes. This is, I think, a good candidate for rarest game we've discussed. At least it has it has the least information available about it. I mean, less than Satan of Saturn, less than anything. It is crazy hard to find information about this stinking game. So what information did you find, Carrington? I found that it's fun to play. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I know it was uh, came out in 1983, and it seems to be... And Okay, here's the thing. Everyone talks about how it is a clone of Scrambled Egg, which seems to have been by the same company in the same year. So why is this... Cl- like, I don't understand. I can't get my head around this. What I found was that Scrambled Egg was released in June of 1983. It was Technos Japan's first arcade game, and it was only released in Japan, okay, even though so even though the text in the game is in English. So eggs, plural, I guess, is the North American version. Yes. This was licensed to Universal for U.S. manufacture and distribution and showed up as eggs in September of 1983. Okay, so September. So it was, it was a bunch of months later. Well, and the games are different. Yeah, well, I, I actually played, I played eggs for the show in Maine, and I played a little bit of, I thought it was scrambled eggs, but scrambled egg as well. So I actually, yeah, so I got a feel for the difference in the games, and I actually prefer eggs to scrambled egg. 
although everybody online seems to prefer scrambled egg. Well, I think scrambled egg is a lot easier. At least oh, that's, maybe that's why. Well, that was yeah. my experience, and and we'll get into the mechanics here in a minute. But but so you have this chomper. Well, we'll get into it now. You have the the your Charlie. This I don't know what you are. You're this. You're a little red round guy in a hat. In a hat, Mike. It's a hat, and specifically, it's a straw boater, aka a basher or Katie. I see. <laughs> It's the kind of hat they would wear in like the 1920s and 30s. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> I'm a fan of silent comedies and some of my favorite silent comedians would wear straw boaters. I was endeared immediately to Charlie, the little red round guy in a hat. So Charlie runs around and he is in what, I guess, a farm a farmyard or something. Yeah. And he's kicking eggs. Just <laughs> smashing kicking. the eggs. Well, he's he, hatching. He hates, he's in a hatchery. No, he hates chickens. And no, he, he likes chickens. He wants he's to bring the chickens them. up. Anyway, each time you kick an egg, you as Charlie kick an egg, the egg cracks a little bit. But it, but it doesn't just crack. It bounces. It moves. You kick an egg, it moves forward, hits other eggs, which bounce along, and then they bounce back, and the eggs go back into their original position. But now they're all cracked. One crack. Yes, and it takes, I think, four kicks to completely release a chick. And then once the chick is hatched, then you have to kick it again to get it off the screen before the spiders get to it. Or as they're called in the intro screen, pesky bugs. And if the spider gets to the chick, it turns it a gray color. I guess it poisons it. It's, I, I think of it as it's a poison. And you seem to get less points, but it does, or fewer points, but it doesn't tell you how many points you get for things. And I was reading somewhere that if you leave those on there long enough, eventually they come after you, but I, oh, I never survived. That never happened to me. But of course, it's hard to leave things on there because right. the game gets hard. And you also have the chomper. From Mr. Do. From Mr. Do, because this game, uh, like Mr. Do, was developed by Universal. And they, I think when they made the port from Scrambled Egg, they borrowed a lot of the graphics. Makes sense, because when I saw it, I was like, I know this guy. I know this chomper. Why do I know this chomper? I'm like, hold on. This is Mr. Do. In Scrambled Egg, the chomper isn't called chomper. It's called Tuna Head. And he's basically a Pac-Man with teeth. I don't know why it's called Tuna Head, but it's Tuna Head. I liked that part. The Chomper is okay because Mr. Q is a good game, but I like the tuna head Pac-Man with teeth from Scrambled Egg. So I'd like to take that and put it into this game. And Chomper chases you around the screen and is pretty smart and, and can track you down and can also go through the little barriers that you cannot go through. Right. Which is one thing that makes it more difficult than Scrambled Egg. Scrambled Egg, I found, tuna head can't go through the eggs. Um, and so it has to move around the maze the same as you, which makes the game easier. But in, in Egg... Or eggs, rather. Yeah, Chomper just goes through and just like barrels at, through the eggs right at you. So you have to really be moving to keep away from them. I found that in eggs, Chomper is a lot smarter at tracking you down than than Tuna Head was in Scrambled Egg. But in eggs, the spiders are not as smart as they were in the first game. The spiders don't even try to get you. Like they just, they sort of move around on their own and they're easy to avoid. It's only Chomper that gives you any difficulty, I find. You do have a couple of defenses against... I know you can throw your eyes. <laughs> oh, well, tell us about it, Carrington. You can throw your eyes, man. You can throw your eyes. <laughs> How awesome is that? So so Charlie's this little round ball, basically, with eyes and a hat. And he doesn't throw his hat, as you might think. He doesn't do the odd job thing. No, he throws his eyes, so they shoot out, and they'll stun the bugs if it hits them. And then the eyes come back to you. So the, you, basically, he uses his eyes like the Frisbees in Tron. But you can lose your eyes, so you have to be careful because you can actually, if you, if you throw your eyes... I love that you throw your eyes, man. It was awesome. Best part of the game, you throw your <laughs> eyes. So if you fire your eyes, 
but then you hit your eyes with a kicked egg by accident. So your eyes are floating out there and they're coming back to you, but then you kick an egg and the kicked egg hits the eyes, then you lose your eyes. <laughs> so you've got no eyes for the rest of, well, if you die, you get your eyes back. But for the rest of the level, if you can complete it with the same man, you have no eyes. It doesn't actually make it dim, which would be pretty funny. I think when you shoot your <laughs> eyes, the screen should go blank until it comes back to you. Um, that'd be awesome. Anyway, my favorite part of this whole game is that you shoot your eyes. So you've got like no weapons or anything. So you just boop, out go the balls. Awesome. Now the eyes, the eyes don't have any effect on Chomper. They just bounce no. right off of him. Chomper is too tough for them. There's no defense for them against a kicked egg. So if, yeah. if either the bugs or the Chomper get in the path of the kicked eggs, they get knocked off the screen and they start over. They respawn in the corner and come back after yep. you. You do have a couple of defenses later on in the game. Uh, the red chick. Uh, so one of these eggs hatches as a red chick, and you get bonuses for when you release the chick. The longer you go in a level without releasing the red chick, the higher the bonus is, all the way up to 10,000 points if it's the last chick that you release, that yep. you hatch from the eggs. And they don't tell you that in the stinking screen, so I kind of stumbled on that and thought I knew a mystery thing that you didn't know, but then you knew it. But if you release the red chick earlier, it will run around the screen and help you and, and chase off the, the bugs and chomper. If the red chick gets hit by one of the eggs, or I think maybe by your eyes, uh, <laughs> it, it gets sent off the screen and becomes a hen, which also yes, this runs white around. hen, which also helps you though. But you don't get the bonus points for that. And the earlier no. you knock red chick off, that cuts down your bonus as well. I think. Yeah, for me, the goal was as soon as I saw the red chick, that's it. I leave it to very last because uh, I found I want the ten thousand points. How the points work in this is like you kick a. A solid egg, the normal egg, before it's cracked, you get 20 points. You kick a cracked egg, you get 50 points. And when you get the half-open egg, like to release the chick, you get 100 points. And when you kick the birds off screen, you get some number of points. And I could never seem to figure out how many points it was. So a 10,000-point bonus for just releasing the red egg, the red chick last is a huge bonus in oh, this yeah. game. So, I mean, I would frequently finish the first level with only 20,000 points if I didn't do that. So... It's, you know, 50% more on your score if you can... I didn't want the hen or the red chick helping me. I wanted the point. So I always leave it to last, which is probably why I always die at the second level. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. This game is exceedingly difficult. This might be <laughs> the hardest game that we've that we've played for me. And anyway. the thing is, it's a one button and a four-way joystick. It's like super simple, but it is a... And it's a maze game. It's like a simple looking... When you watch videos of this, because they're... Well, it's hard to find info. You can go on YouTube and see it through a couple of people playing it. And when you watch them play it, I always thought, these people are awful. This game looks so easy. You could do so... But when you're actually playing it, it is much harder than it looks for some reason. Something about this game makes it really hard to play. The bugs, and especially Chomper, are very good at avoiding the eggs. Yeah. I sort of approached it the way I do Pac-Man, which is clear off the screen as quickly as possible. This game doesn't have a timer between levels, so you can take as long as you want on the levels. And sometimes you got to move yourself around into a position so that you can kick the eggs and the birds off the screen and not get eaten by the Chomper. Because, like I said, Chomper is good at tracking you and moves through the barriers without a problem. And when you kick an egg or uh, a chick, you're paused for just an instant. And usually mm -hmm. that's all it takes to get eaten. Exactly. And, and it's not that the eggs or in the, like the middle of quarters where you run down and hit them. The eggs are sort of, if you imagine like the maze for the listeners, the eggs are kind of almost in the walls of the maze. So you go down the quarter and you have to stop like sort of face downward and then kick. And it is, it's that pause, which is short, but that pause 
absolutely lets Chomper get right on you because he's always coming right at you. So you often have to sort of run around, run around, run, and to get a little bit of a lead time until it's finally safe to pause for a second and kick one of these stinking things. And the more stuff that you clear off the playing field at the time, the more open it becomes for Chomper to come after you. There are less yes. because Chomper can't move through eggs. It, it does have to move around them as you clear them off. And as you move the chicks off, he's got more space to come after you. And right. Well, no, I found Chomper does go through eggs. No, it goes through the little barriers, but it won't go through the eggs. I thought it was the other way around. No. Play it again, Carrington. Oh, I just played a whole week of it. I played a lot, too, because, you know, this is a good game. It is. This is crazy obscure, oh, but this, this is a really good game. I, I started playing this, and I was so mad and frustrated, and, and I'm like, I hate this game because it sucks because I, I suck at it. And, <laughs> exactly. And, and finally, I figured – I started to figure out a, a few strategies for me that, that worked and, and got further into it. And the more I played it, the, the better I got. And, and finally, I really, really like this game. And yeah, I really like this game. I don't game understand too. why it's not out there anywhere. And speaking of that, Carrington – Tell us about the cabinet. Oh, God, the cabinet doesn't exist. I swear this <laughs> game was never actually released. So I found some places that discuss the hardware inside the cabinet, and they all say the same thing, but I can't find an, an, an actual copy of the manual, so I couldn't confirm it. But it seems that it's using a couple of AY9810s as a sound chip. It's going at 1.5 megahertz. It's vertical screen, you know, 240 by 240 pixels, so it's technically technically square, but it's vertical <laughs> orientation. Right. It's just got an 8-bit color palette, so it's not super colorful. And, and frankly, it isn't that colorful, but it's a charming game. Like, I like the little cartoony bits, and I like Chomper, and I like the little red guy, because he's got a hat. Arcade Museum says it has an 8-way joystick, but that's that's nonsense. Of course it doesn't. It's a 4-way joystick. It's clearly a 4-way joystick. It would be unplayable with an 8-way joystick. But the thing is, I have no idea what the cabinet looks like. I can't find a single instance of this cabinet anywhere there is one site you found it that has supposedly an eggs for sale i can't remember what the site was but there's some one of those online stores that has a bunch of things and they sell the cabinets for a thousand dollars in fact i think they were listing this one for 1200 bucks or something mm, yeah crazy but they they have a photograph of their inventory so you can look at the list of inventory you can also go through it and see a photograph of every cabinet Surprisingly, that while they list an eggs for sale, they have no photo of the, the of eggs course, cabinet. Of course. This is a crazily obscure game on Arcade Museum because they have the list of people can, like I'm on it, you can list what cabinets you own. It only lists two people in the whole world owning this game, and they both only have a board. They don't have a cabinet. It lists zero people looking for this game, which I think is a shame. I think it's only because people don't know that this game. So it's a one on the rarity scale, which is the most rare game. It doesn't mean it's the most expensive game, but it's a crazily obscure game. I couldn't find a single instance of this being sold at auction or anywhere online, so I couldn't find a pro I have no idea what it would cost to get this game. I, I don't know what the cabinet looks like. I think I know what the marquee looks like. Because there's a bunch of sites like RetroCPU.com, a bunch of them that list or rather that show the marquee. But I don't think it's an original marquee. I think it's something maybe somebody mocked up because sometimes in that marquee in the art, it has a copyright uh, Universal USA notice. And sometimes in that same place, it doesn't have it. Plus, I found a, a game flyer that has the same basic art as the marquee that's floating around. But with some subtle differences where, like, there's a, a black line, a black, a thick black outline around the characters. But there's some white space between the character and the outline. But in the marquee, that white space is gone. It's, like, all filled in. And it's sort of like a, a not great Photoshop job. So I think there's a chance that somebody just mocked up this marquee and it's been floating around as an original. Like, maybe it is the, the actual marquee, but there's enough 
weird variants there in the art that I'm thinking maybe it's not a real marquee. It's just something somebody made based on the flyer. And it's become canonical because nobody actually has this game. I don't know. Didn't you find somebody who has one of these, Mike, and email him? Well, he was one of the two people on K-Law that was listed as having a board. And this was right. just yesterday. And, and I emailed him and said, hey, do you have any information about this? He's in Italy. And I haven't heard anything back on that. Now, I did stumble across a, a couple of other interesting pieces of information, I guess. I will, we'll obviously have this the links in the show notes, but there was a thread on Kalov of somebody who did a, a warehouse raid back in um, 2001 or 2002 who came across – he was looking actually for a Tempest cabinet and found that it had been converted to eggs. Oh. Yeah. So I did a little more digging and also – Which is Kalov, kind of weird because it's got its own – like the board itself has its own pinout. It doesn't mm-hmm. share with anything else. Well, and I found somebody else on Kalov that mentioned that – he had read somewhere, of course, you know how this goes, but read somewhere that there were maybe two dozen of these boards made in total and that they never produced a cabinet for them. Oh, so maybe that's why no, – because nobody has a cabinet. Right. They like were this. intended to be upgrade kits for other machines, for other universal uh, games. Aha. Uh-huh. So that would explain – well, then there would still be a marquee because they would normally put a kit out that would have art, like at least well, a marquee. Unless you're using just the generic universal – that yellow, right, disgusting cabinet <laughs> that they have for Mister Dewan, which maybe that's why you see just a marquee that somebody made for it, right, and then are using the, the generic universal uh, cabinet, especially for the early ones. Yeah, they definitely had that that one sort of cabinet they they used a lot. I did some sniffing around on uh, the Usenet news group Rec Games Video Arcade Collecting. I think that's I think that's the one. We'll have the link for mm-hmm. that as well. Everybody wants one of these. Nobody has one except for uh, a few people do have boards. Um, so I don't know if they're, I believe, the two dozen number. It seemed like a lot of people in that group had boards if it was two dozen. Yeah, if only two dozen were made, there's no way there'd be more than one or two still existing. At one point, someone had a manual and made a bunch of copies oh. and sold the, sold them to the collectors. Uh, this was also 2003, 2004. And I can't find a manual for this, but I guess I guess a manual did exist. And if it was sold as an um, as a as a conversion kit, then it would make sense that you would have that. Right, and the manual would also specifically talk about that because a conversion manual will normally talk about like how to how to hook it up. Right. So this is it's nice. a, a very weird story for a game that seems to be really cool. I, it's I, really good. I it's, love this I, game. Yeah. I think it's a game that could have found a real audience if it had been put out there. I think it's really too bad that it didn't get released better and marketed because it's a great game. I bet you most of our listeners have never heard of this game and never played it before. It's I I had never seen this game or even seen it mentioned anywhere before doing it for this show. And it's great. Like, this is a terrific game. Well, at least two of our listeners did because one suggested it to us. That's how we found out about it. Oh, that's right. And somebody who was it in the feedback. It was Cinecaster. Cinecaster knew what it was. Yeah. Crazily. So a few people have played this, and fortunately, fortunately, this is a game that does not require a cabinet for no. good emulation. Nope, no, or, or for, great in MAME. For good play. Yeah, t- totally perfectly in MAME. Four-way joystick and one button. Nice and simple. Plays well. Uh, I love it. It's a great game. Like, it did come out, you know, in 83, right as the, the video game crash was going on, so maybe that's, maybe that's what happened. Right, maybe. Unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate because it's a really good game. Maybe if it had come out in... You know, 81, 79, 79 would blow people's minds. But yeah, fanta- fantastic game. So, okay, we've both played it for the week. Mm-hmm. We both knew about the 10,000 point bonus that you can try to get. Mm-hmm. How did we do? Well, Karen, I think I won. 
Because I got to level three. My best games, I would I would get to the third board. Which is pretty good, I think, because when you look at screenshots online, nobody seems to have screenshots of the third board. So I'm going to play it again and take shots of board three, because it's hard to get there. I was able to get to the third board, but not until this morning. So I'm glad oh. they actually delayed this a day. Oh, no! Uh, because, well, for, for days, I could not get past the first board. And in fact, it was usually down to like the last one or two eggs. And oh, it was driving me. I was, I was, last egg is tough. I was just going to start lying and saying, you know, this is the score I got. Screw you, Carrington. Um, 190,000. Exactly. No, but I, I finally sort of figured out the strategy that worked for me. And it, it had to do with slowing down and, and actually letting Chopper get close enough so that I could maneuver myself behind an egg and kick it and knock chopper off the screen Mm -hmm. and then you that's how you then run around and And that's that's really the key because with chopper out there especially once once the game board starts clearing off then then you're really in trouble Uh oh so i'll tell you mine which i'm now worried you beat my (laughs) best score for the week i got was on board three and i got forty eight thousand four hundred. yes oh I know that yesterday I had beat you because I tell like, yesterday when we talked about it when we were supposed to record, but I didn't have my phones. <laughs> I know you hadn't gotten level three, so I was so sure I won this week. Yesterday I hadn't even got gotten past level one. So, uh, so how'd you do? I got just barely forty nine thousand eight hundred. You suck. Woo-hoo, I lose. Ah, uh, I lose. But the thing is, you know what? Whatever. This game is awesome. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care. I, I might have lost, but I'm so happy to have played this game. And I'm going to keep playing this game. Like, this is a really, really fun game. It's quirky. It's charming. I love the fact you throw your eyes. That does not get old for me. I like the fact that you're wearing a little boater. The, the chicks are cute. I like that there's all the little details. Like the, your chicks get poisoned, and somehow that affects your score, but I'm not really <laughs> sure how yet. I like that the chomper guy's from Mr. Dubity. He's kind of funny because he's got that chompy face. He's coming at you, and you got all the spiders. I like that there's a lot of strategy to the game because you got to kick the eggs more than once, and you got to avoid the, the red one. I like the fact that you can figure out stuff, like, like you said. You got to wait to the end and try to stun chomper and then finish the eggs or choose do i want to release the the red hen at the beginning or try to go for the the white hen which will go around and peck the, the eggs and help them or do i want to keep the red hen and not release him to last to go for the ten thousand point score so the strategy involved i mean this is this is a pac-man level game like there's a lot to this and it's super fun this really deserved an audience and it's a shame it didn't get one i agree absolutely and to me, as I was playing it, it reminded me a lot of Tapper, where it doesn't feel like you're moving all that fast on the screen. There's not when a you lot look of, at it. Right. When, but when you're playing, that the adrenaline is building, and Chomper's getting closer and closer, and you're having to turn corners when you didn't mean to just to get away from it. It gets your heart going. I really, really enjoyed it. And, and while, obviously, there don't seem to be any cabinets out there that either one of us could buy, this might be something that I would, if I had access to a used universal cabinet that, that was empty or something, I might... Build my own. I wouldn't. I still think it's perfect in MAME. I love this game, but whatever. Because <laughs> I, I would have a Mad Planets machine instead. Like, I'd have something where I need the weird controls. I would have it just to say, see, I have this and no one else does. And then I would pretend that it was real. Wow. Imagine having a cabinet that no one else has. I wonder what that feels like, he says, thinking of his <laughs> fixing Phoenix Jr. Ha! Suck it, world. I got one. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't thinking of it. You were turn, turning around and gently fondling it. <laughs> So anyway, this game, big thumbs up for both uh, of us. Yeah, I love yeah, eggs. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. crazy. It's frustrating, and, and I can't stop playing it. Uh, totally. <laughs> well put. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if, you, if you're going to emulate this in May, make sure you get the scrambled egg as well as the eggs ROM. You need them both. Sure, yeah, but um, egg, eggs is better. Scrambled egg is easier, but eggs is better. Yeah, totally. 
And I guess that brings us to that time of the week, Carrington. Ooh, where it's time for new games for me to almost beat you at. <laughs> <laughs> and what does what does next week's game sound like? I'll, I'll make you. I'll, I'll help you feel a little bit better here, Carrington, because I still haven't beaten your your Galaga score. So, and you never shall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't bet on that. But <laughs> next week's game sounds like this. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up here. And it looks like, wow, we've we've actually got, by what has become our standards, a very short show. Excellent. Well, it'll make people happy. Well, thank you for podcasting with Mike. Thank you, Carrington. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. 